Waterfall, the CCW podcast. Hello and welcome to Waterfall. It's the water saving podcast. Karen, why should we say water? Because um, it's really important at all times that we're conscious of how much water we use and um, we've got a responsibility to use it wisely. Very good. Karen, I've already leapt in and talked to you without even introducing you to that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was a wonderful Karen. Thank you very much. <laughs> we're also joined by producer Tom Lurking. Tom's looking particularly pleased himself today. Why is that, Tom? I'm just very well hydrated at the moment. Oh, look at that. <laughs> See, Tom's on message, isn't so he? So on message. <laughs> well, we are very excited today because we have got a guest and we've also got something new, haven't we? Yes, we have. We've actually um, dispatched our roving reporter. I love the fact that <laughs> that we're giving the impression that we have something called a reporter. <laughs> as part of the Waterfall team. So we've basically got someone we know to go somewhere else to ask some questions to someone. Um, but the, today we are talking about actually a really, really serious topic. And it's something that's come up um, in earlier episodes of Waterfall, and that's drought plans and droughts. So it's a really important topic. And as Carolyn said, we have dispatched Kath, who is our apparently a roving reporter, <laughs> and she is going down to the South West to talk to Lisa Gann, who works for South West Water. Now, I'm not sure if this is our idea of a little joke, because, Karen, on previous editions, you've been trying to angle for a trip. I was indeed, and I, I, you still keep telling me that the TNS budget isn't big enough for it. <laughs> so, so we're saying uh, you want to go on a trip, so we send someone else down to the South West. Um, how does that make you feel? Well, I'm a little bit disappointed, but then I did want to go a bit further afield. Well, you went to go to Canada, and I did check the um, the TNS budget, and I found that there is a Canada you can go to, it's Canada Water, which I think is in the Docklands, isn't it? Oh, it could be, yeah. Yeah, well, all the glamorous <laughs> locations. Um, but before we get into to drought plans, we have had some feedback, and uh, people have been emailing us. Karen, what's the email address? It's podcast at ccwater.org.uk. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time Karen's going to write first time. Well done. It's okay, Karen. We'll I've got, cut it, that I've bit got out. it written on the back of my hand. <laughs> so Steve has been in touch uh, about the episode, The Nature of Water. We were talking about the impacts of, of water use on nature. And one of the, the things that came out of that episode was a really good little thing to remember, which was, you know, a litre saved at our taps through our water savings is a litre back in the natural environment. Now, Steve pointed out that actually that's technically not true because a litre saved would actually lead to more than a litre going back into the natural environment because of leakage. So it's probably more like 1.2 litres going back in the natural environment. So Steve's right. Uh, so thank you for that feedback. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's a really good point. I, I mean, I think um, the only thing I would say is that, um, you know, any saving is a good thing because we're not taking it from the natural environment to start off with. And so, you know, the, the nature and the habitats that um, surround the water sources that our water comes from are going to be protected. So it's got to be the, the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely, Karen. So... Drought plans. What is a drought plan? There's a rumour, Karen, that you are the only person 
that are in this building who knows what a drought plan is. Is that true or false? Um, I don't think that's that, that's true, but um, I think there is an impression sometimes that um, the the water companies react to a drought rather than necessarily have plans in place to deal with them. And it's a really important aspect of what the water companies do and plan for to make sure that the right steps are taken at the right time to, to ensure that customer supplies are always maintained and minimum um, uh, impact is caused to the environment. Fantastic. Let's find out more then from our roving reporter, Kath, who has survived a trip to the southwest. What would you like Waterfall to cover next? Send your water-saving topics to podcast at ccwater.org.uk. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Waterfall. Thanks for joining us today. Do you want to tell our listeners who you are? Hi, Cathy. My name is uh, Dr. Lisa Garn, and I am the Director of Regulatory Strategy and Asset Management uh, here at Southwest Water. Fantastic. And today, Lisa, we're going to talk about a somewhat nebulous concept of drought plans, which I think we've heard about in the recent climate, but perhaps we don't really all know what they are, how they came into being, and what what we do with them. (laughs) Okay, well, let me start by talking a little bit about, I think, about the system. So we're we're a climate-based system, which means that we very much depend on rainfall. So we'll often hear... Um, there's other countries in the world that don't have the rainfall we have and, and they don't need these drought plans. However, for us, we've designed a system around rainfall because for centuries, you know, we've had this very predictable and reliable source of water that looks good and tastes good to drink. Uh, so we've built a system around that. And of course, when it doesn't rain uh, in the way that we expect it to, that can cause problems with the system. And obviously, with a bit of climate change, that's, that's the challenge that we have. So we have trout plans that help us understand what we do when we don't get the rain that we expect to have typically. That makes sense. But as we're an island, isn't there like enough water, even when it doesn't rain, around us? We've got rivers, we've got coast, seawater. Yeah, so we have a system where we have reservoirs. Now, the aim of a reservoir is we don't get a lot of rain in the summer um, and we might not get it where we need to catch it. So rain's got to fall where you can catch it. And in the summer, that doesn't happen very much. It's really difficult to predict where summer showers will be. In the winter, we tend to get the rain. So we catch it in the winter and we store it so we can use it in the summer. And we use it for two purposes. So one of them is for public supplies and we all drink it. And the second one is to protect the environment. So we will release from those reservoirs to support rivers so they are nice and healthy all year round. So that's the two reasons that we have it. So you're absolutely right. There's water in the sea, there's water in, in lakes and reservoirs, and we need that water because we need to use that to protect the environment as well as to protect customer supplies. So we don't ever want to get to the point where those are looking quite low because that's not only risky for public supplies, but it's also going to be very damaging for the environment. So the aim of having a drought plan is it allows us to understand at what point do we need to take action. And even if it's just to remind customers to be careful with the water we use. And if I, if I might just add to that, typically a customer uses about 150 litres of water a day. But that's actually quite a lot of water if you stop and think yeah. about it. You know, you're flushing the toilet, the washing machine, the dishwasher, showers, baths, all of this use... Uh, water and it all adds up to about 150 litres a day and even if we just save a little bit of that that means there's more water for the environment uh, and there's more water for um, the future. 
So it's those small changes that you can make that can actually really have an impact on your consumption and and on the environment at the same time. I, I, I genuinely don't think people really understand how much water they use. So we did some research recently and, and most customers think they use less than 40 litres. Wow. But actually it's 150 <laughs> litres. So every time you put the washing machine on, you could be using 40 litres of water. Every time you flush a toilet, that can be up to 13 litres of water on these older systems. Yeah. Uh, six if you've got a newer toilet. Every minute in the shower, when you're heating water in the shower, that's about 10 litres. So it really all adds up. It really all adds up. If you, if you use a dishwasher to wash your pots, that will typically use about 16 litres. But if you do it by hand in the sink, that will use about 30 litres. So there, is, there are ways to actually save water, which is, you know, use a dishwasher. Um, take a shorter shower. Um, if you want to run a tap cold because you want a nice cold glass of water, if you put a, a jug in the fridge... That will save six litres. So there's lots of little things that we can do to save water, that do, which I don't actually think affect our lives. No. In a material way, um, but make a massive difference to wildlife. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, especially at the moment in a cost of living crisis, we've got things like we know that five minutes off your shower, as well as saving that 50 litres of water, if you've got a metre and at today's energy prices, you're probably saving £175 a year, which is huge really <laughs> yeah and if you think about some of the some of the bills that people have and people that have a high bill one of the things that we would always do if someone said they had a high bill is we would help them understand you know how much water whether they're on a meter and if they're, if they're on a meter exactly how they're using water are there ways that they can save water recycle water that that helps get their their bills down and one of the best ways as you just pointed out to is is uh, saving hot water so yeah. baths and showers dishwashers washing machine they're all heating water if you're saving water you're saving energy and that can actually be multiples yeah. of, of costs that you're saving so there's there's it's good for the purse as well as good for the environment, the environment. If you save water <laughs> definitely definitely we're thinking about in the current climate uh, that you know climb talking of climate as the drought plan looks at the environment how come it's is it yours the water companies or is it the environment agency who owns it and makes the decisions well at the moment decisions around drought measures are um made by the water company we we know so we're obviously um at the moment we've had a drought this summer so one of the things that we did is we introduced a hose pipe restriction for certain parts of the region and the reason for that is a hose pipe uh, uh, uses a thousand liters an hour. I mean, that's and that is you know just put that into context. That's as much water typically as a family of four would use for two days. Wow. So it is a huge yeah. amount of water that and that 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 will use. So what what we found in the summer when it was incredibly hot, we saw people using hose pipes more, and we we asked people to not do that, and that can save quite a quite a bit of water. Now that was a decision we made. Yeah. Because the drought plan belongs to us, so we we developed the drought plan, but we do engage with uh, all of our regulators and stakeholders and it's ultimately signed off by government at the end of the day because it's got to be robust yeah um but the the decision is for is for water companies to develop that drought plan it's for water companies then to track where we are against that drought plan so the drought plan tells us you know what that that reservoir is looking a bit low this at this point you should be telling customers about it or you should be thinking about a hose pipe uh, restriction so that's what the drought plan is it's almost a, a guide uh, now what we are happy to see is a reservoir that's a bit lower in the summer than it is in winter because in summer you know it's drawing down yeah but in winter it should be filling up so if you saw a reservoir at say 50 percent, that might be okay in summer but it might not be in winter so the drought plan is a guide to understanding whether we should be concerned about the level of water 
uh, in a reservoir uh, or not. And how do you set those targets in it, Lisa? What do you decide, you know, 50% in winter or is it 40% in winter where you become concerned or, you know, how do you set those triggers that go into your drought plan? Well, it's it's based on looking at previous years of of weather uh, predominantly. So what might happen and, you know, if there's a risk that uh, you might see something more serious than a hose pipe restriction because um, the aim of a hose pipe restriction is to, to stop something more serious happening. Right. So the, the aim is, is what's the likelihood that you could end up with more, a more serious situation? And what we're doing is we're always looking at uh, what's happened in the past, what's the weather been in the past, that is the best forecast of the future. <laughs> but then how many people will be in the region? How much are they likely to demand? Um, so it's all of that. And then how much does the environment benefit from having more water in it? So some reservoirs, maybe you can't lower down um, because it's not structurally safe. Right. Or because they, the environment would be more damaged. So it's balancing all of those factors, which is what the drought plan does. It brings together uh, decisions. And the aim of doing the drought plan is that you're doing it in advance of the drought rather than waiting to be in the middle of it when there can be quite a lot of media attention there can be quite a lot of uh, interest from 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 the public and stakeholders but it's a bit of a bible to follow and it helps you navigate what you do in a drought when you'll have lots of competing views and some people will want you to take action sooner yes some people want you to take action (laughs) at all but what i will say is when we do have those restrictions that we're always mindful of customers and there are things that um so for example any vulnerable customer is not affected by a hose pack restriction we recognize that it's just not practical or possible for certain people to use a, a bucket or a, a watering can to water the garden. And if anyone is in that position, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be affected by a hose pipe restriction. Right. So there's always exemptions and there's always about delivering uh, for customers. So one thing we did, uh, one of the exemptions we, incre- we introduced this year um, was about tree, tree watering because we all know how important it is to plant trees. Yes. That's part of our climate commitment. To make our environment. To biodiversity. Uh, so actually we made an exemption. So anyone who uh, was watering uh, trees that are less than three years old, that, that wouldn't be covered by a hose pipe for example so yeah it's about balance it's always about balance it's bad so so you've got all those different factors that feed in that would say to you lisa this is an issue right now and you need to take action but because you're following this plan that's why for instance you wouldn't uh, step up and put in place any kind of restriction when things were just starting to look a bit dry you've got a very clear plan that you follow yeah, and what the drought plan does is it does a, it does a number of things. It, it talks about um, what we what we want customers to do. How can c- customers help? What what? But it's not just about customers. That, I mean, you know, can it can be easy to get lost that we're asking customers to use less water. But no, we're also doing lots of stuff ourselves. So we will do extra leakage detection. We'll do extra. Uh, work to reduce losses and we'll also think about whether there's more water we can put into supply so when we do our planning we always think about well we don't need uh, this extra water here but we could draw on it should we need to so for example there's a couple of reservoirs in our region that are not used on a day-to-day basis but right now um, we're looking to bring them in uh, to supply because ultimately we recognise that uh, it's been a bit of a drought this year. Next year we want to make sure that um, as we look to replenish the reservoirs, we want to make sure there's some other sources as well in case we have another dry summer and, and we don't get quite a lot of rainfall over the winter because that's the challenge 
So how much rainfall are you going to get over the winter? Yeah, to refill those exactly. water resources so that we're in a good place going into next spring, summer. Yeah, and so the winter is probably more important than the summer when it comes to thinking about water resources because in the summer there's not much you can do. No. Other than just <laughs> give sunny, just, yeah. just supply people with the water that they need. But in winter... It's about, right, we need to replenish those reservoirs. And that's why we, we carry on with the water efficiency messages. Yeah. We introduce financial incentives. We've, we've introduced our Stop the Drop campaign, for example. This is all about making sure that over the winter we carry on bringing, um, bringing as much water as we can into those reservoirs because we need that for, this, for next summer. Um, and we always have this bit of a target date that by the end of the winter and by the end of the spring, the reservoirs are in a good place. So, yeah, and I guess that's the same for all companies across England and Wales. They're all going to have these targets that they want to reach by the end of the winter so they know that they're in a good place and like you say have other perhaps water resources and it'll differ around the country but different things that they can bring into play to help them achieve that well some some companies are um so we take most of our water in the southwest water region from rivers and reservoirs over 90 percent right now other parts of the of the country they they're not um they're not as dependent on those surface water supplies they can access groundwater so if you've got i mean we're we're on a bit of a rock of granite so it's really difficult for us but other parts of the region they can access the the what what your listeners might think of as the water table right. or those groundwater supplies they're a bit more predictable they're a bit more stable right. so some other um, other companies will be less dependent uh, on the rainfall yeah as we are here in the southwest so it's actually the geography of where you are in across England and Wales is going yes. to play a factor in this and again that will all feed into those drought plans when people are taking it into exactly. consideration exactly and I think what we'll do is we'll get to the end of this year and we'll reflect on whether where the drought plan worked well uh, where where it could be improved and we'll go through that cycle again and make sure that it's it's ready for the next drought and hopefully um you know hopefully we'll have one again for a long time but the reality of it is with climate change the frequency of the drought of the summer that we've had the the, the hotness that we had this summer, the dryness, that is going to increase. And I think I saw but by 2050, we can expect um, the summers that we've had this year to be um, like 50% chance every year of getting a summer wow. like this year. Ooh. So that that is, if, if some of the most severe projections around climate change come to fruition, we can expect that sort of level. And we will have to adapt away from a system that is so reliant uh, on rainwater, which is, to your point earlier, we are an island and we're surrounded by the <laughs> sea. And we'll have to think about that. Yeah. You know, think about how, how we actually think about using water that doesn't come from rainfall, but actually just comes straight out of the sea. Yeah, and how we can clean that, get that into our systems and ready for use. Indeed, because what, what I would say about water that falls from the sky is, is, is customers generally like the taste of it. Yeah. It's not very hard. And it's really enjoyable to taste. Now, a lot of people, if they get water from uh, the ground, um, people complain that that's quite hard. Often they might complain that's quite hard. And people will complain with de- uh, water that comes from the sea, from desalinated water, that it, it doesn't taste great. Right. It tastes quite different. So we might get, have to get used to the fact <laughs> it tastes a little bit different. It might change, yeah. But it will, always, it will always be really clean and safe. Yeah. Um, but it, it, uh, it's, it's, people, people do have a preference for water that is soft, and tastes nice so you yeah. would always have to think about that as well because we want people to carry on enjoying water yeah yeah and tap water is we're really lucky in england and wales it's great quality it's good value it doesn't come wrapped in a plastic bottle it well, doesn't get key. shipped around <laughs> well that's it i mean i think you know it would be quite ironic wouldn't it really to be to be because of climate change 
that we, we, we end up using different water sources and it doesn't taste great, so people use plastic bottles, which is then adds uh, to climate change. the problem. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would make, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what we have to do is we're always mindful of, like, how do we make water taste and uh, look great so people will want to drink it. Um, but that's our number one priority. Customers tell us all the time that the number one priority for them is water that is safe, uh, it's clean, and it looks good, and it tastes great. And that yeah. will always be our number one priority. That's fantastic. And the drought plans, just go back to something you said earlier about you'll review them now, because I imagine that everybody's drought plan has been tested in a very live environment across the last few months because the weather has been so extreme. Um, it's been so dry for so long, huge heat wave, which for lots of us increased our usage because we might have been having more showers or trying to keep plants in the garden alive, etc. Ended up being almost pointless. Um, but so we've probably seen something quite extreme here. So do you review the drought plans every year or is it more of a cyclical thing that happens every few years? You have to check, you have to look at them every five years. Yeah. Unless um, something more significant changes. Uh, so for example, our drought plan um, recognises there are some reservoirs in the region that we're not, that we've bought and that we've invested in, but we're not using um, or we haven't used for a long time that they could be drawn upon. So we are looking to bring those back into supply or into supply for the first time. Now that would be a significant change to our drought plan. Yeah. So we, if, if we do ind- indeed uh, do that, then we'll obviously look to update the drought plan next year because it won't be a source that we can draw on. So it's always your, it's basically about keeping, as well as telling you what to do, it is also a bit of a what's in your back pocket. And yeah. you always want to have something in your back pocket that you can draw upon. When you, and the, the, what you want to have is some sources that, should you need them, you can bring them in quite quickly. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's the aim of the drought plan. It's not only to say, when should you be communicating to customers to use less or when should you be stepping up your leakage reduction plans? Uh, it should also be about what's in your back pocket, what could you bring in quite quickly uh, and boost supplies uh, for the rest of the year and, and, and for the following year. And into the, yeah, into the next year. But it starts with us as water companies. We recognise that. It's for us to help customers understand how they use water and what they can do. And if we can, the more we can help people understand the way that they use water, the more they'll be receptive to the messages that we have. There's no point telling someone who doesn't have a garden, don't water don't, the garden. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really about getting the messages out there. And actually, you know, we're in the Southwest. We have a lot of visitors that come here. Yeah. And for us, it's really important that they realise when they come here that, that there's an environment down here that needs to be protected. So it's not just the people who live here, uh, but it's the, it's the businesses here, it's the visitors here. If we all do a bit, it can make a massive difference. Absolutely. And if we all do that bit, then you won't hit these triggers in your drought plan. <laughs> well, no, what, what I would say is, um, you know, obviously over the winter, you know, it's, it's, it's time to replenish the reservoirs. Yeah. Um, we, we, we will not be able to re- lift those restrictions until we've done that. Of course. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. customers uh, will, will understand that. But uh, once we've done that, you know, we'll, um, we'll have a great summer. Fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much for talking to us today. We've covered a huge amount of information there. Drought plans, the environment, saving money through saving water and all the benefits that that brings. Thanks so much, Kathy. It's great to see you again. (laughs) You too. Thanks. Enjoying the show? Please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes and Spotify. So our roving reporter has escaped the southwest, and you're back here safely. Hi, Kath. Welcome to the Waterfall Studio. This is where the magic happens. <gasps> wow, it's so big and gold and shiny. <laughs> I can't believe it. I've used my government money on this room. <laughs> we wish. We wish. Tom wishes he had a proper studio with proper buttons to press. <laughs> yeah.
Maybe you should tell the listeners we are just in an office room with a laptop. Mike's very good at pushing buttons. To be fair, it, it is just a meeting room. Yeah, a very bog standard meeting room. So we enjoyed listening to your interview with Lisa. But did they treat you well in the southwest? It was lovely. Yes, they were very hospitable. They sent me out to work around fields, um, looking at meters. I was reading some meters, so you can expect <laughs> incorrect meter. No, I, they didn't actually let me take the reading. So, so we, hold on, so let's, let's just unpack this. So we expect a surgeon in complaint to be accurate bills like due to the meters that you were reading. From the Exeter area. <laughs> okay, so, so listeners around Exeter, beware, Kath has been reading the meters, apparently. With, I should say, with a very experienced meter reader who actually took the readings and put them into the system. So... Disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> uh, did you get cream tea out of this? There was no cream tea. That's a disappointment. I had a cheese sandwich. Uh, well, there we go. <laughs> um, so it's good to see you back. Roving on board. So you've got a new badge. You need a badge. <laughs> yeah, it's like being in the guides. I'm sewing on my uniform. <laughs> You're roving the board a badge. Um, so, Karen, we said at the top of the show that you really wanted to get out on a trip. Now... I did indeed. I'm sorry. Oh, you got it. I am a little bit disappointed and a slightly bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lovely day. <laughs> sorry, Karen. So you are our guru, Karen, on, on all things uh, water-related. So did you learn much, anything, from this interview? Because basically, I, wasn't, I, I, I was clueless at the start. Now I feel slightly more clued up, so that's good. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I certainly felt that it was a really good way of explaining how companies have to plan for all eventualities and also get the balance right because they're constantly having to make sure that not only are they sufficiently providing water for their customers, but leaving enough in the environment to protect it. So, um, you know, it brought that home. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with drought planning, but I think it's really important to see droughts as a, drought plans as the sort of tactical short-term plan to deal with situations when they arise but one of the many plans that the companies have to have. Yeah I mean for me one of the things that struck me and I like the phrase that Lisa was using about it's the it's the bible that they refer to you know yeah. it's their go-to document that helps them to understand what they need to do when situations arise so to me I mean that's that's that, that's a really reassuring point that companies aren't making this up as they go along there is this plan there. <laughs> So uh, given that you're the guru, Karen, and, and Kath, and I was just full of knowledge about it, right? so but should we be asking Kath to like, quiz you on this, test you? <laughs> well, she can, she can do if she likes. Um, but I mean, I, I'd be interested to know from Kath, I mean, what was the most surprising thing for you? I actually think for me, Karen, what was uh, I wasn't aware of and what was really reassuring is the fact that these drought plans are there and the companies, as Mike says, kind of, they've got this playbook to go through actions to take in situations but the fact that when Lisa was explaining that they review them um, so this isn't just a done and dusted on the shelf document we look at the situation that's just happened over the 2022 summer and the companies actively go right what can be better what can we change so it's great to hear that they are taking things learning all the time that it's not just a well we did that that's (laughs) on the shelf for a decade. Yeah and I think that's a really important aspect of this is that Um, you know the future is still a bit uncertain and so Mm. the more that they can learn from the experiences that they've had you know what's worked and what hasn't um, you know it can only be a good thing to build all that knowledge absolutely and there's got to be lots of learning points from this from this summer and this autumn this incredibly dry year we had I I like the irony though that we off 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 we go with our roving reporter (laughs) down to the south and basically from the moment that we told you to do this or asked you to do this (laughs) it's it's just rained (laughs) 
non-stop. <laughs> should this be in the drought plans? <laughs> well, 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 but that actually is an important point because the drought plans and some water companies have now ceased their hose pipe bans, but the drought plans actually do tell you when when to withdraw from uh, you know doing some yeah. of these activities. So I think it's I think that's an important point to know. It's not just about when restrictions are started, it's about when restrictions are ended too. So drought plans, even though it has started raining, are still very relevant because it t- tells you when to ease off. Really yeah. important point. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so Kat, thank you for, for doing that. And uh, you know, you are now a member of the, the Waterfall team. <laughs> I feel very privileged. <laughs> you, you do know that this means that Tom actually follows you pretty much wherever you go now. <laughs> Wow. Digitally. Digitally. Yeah, 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 I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.